Father Bryce. Um, took a little road trip recently. Was very nice. nice. Went up to see the fam on the UP. Oh yeah. Um, broke it up into two days because we were leaving after a liturgy one Sunday, and okay. it's and and we took the long way. We went straight up through Michigan because there's a lot. Oh, of, wow. A lot of that Michigan I haven't seen. Um, yeah. So I was really curious about it. Yeah. I mean, and you know, one of the surprising things, I mean, you think like, oh, okay, you're, this is big bridge and you don't <laughs> think about it, but it's really nice. You get on this bridge and it's huge. And this, you go really high. I don't know how high you go, but you're way up there. It's, and, it's really high. I, and, I know people who have a hard time crossing the bridge. Yeah. And, and you look down and you can see a lot because you have to, I think the speed limit is like 35 or 40 or something yeah. on it stayed right across from the bridge and then went the rest of the way the next day nice family lives uh close to the you know chassel houghton hancock area and uh so it was great to see them great mm-hmm. to be in nature um oh, yeah. went to some waterfalls went to this really clear creek where you could see like all of these fish streaming mm. upstream which was really neat to see. I mean, I've heard about that. And, you know, it's one thing you see these things on videos or you see them in pictures. Yeah. But to see it in real life is something interesting. And um, it's inspired me to think and plan about taking more trips like that in the mm-hmm. future. There's so many places I've heard about that I haven't seen, like Zion yeah. National Park in Utah, which I hear mm. is, I hear like pictures don't do it justice. That's I've heard the same. I have not been either. You have to go see it. Uh, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Um, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of I have never been to like the what do they call that the the Badlands or the the yes Dark yeah. Hills or something the like Bad that. Badlands is beautiful. Never been there. So many Crazy. places I've never been. There's so much this country has to offer. Yep. But um, gosh, just um, just reminds me of how much I love being in nature. I don't do it enough. I need to do it more. So anyways, so that's, that's been on my thoughts a lot lately. And I, you know, I'm kind of even thinking about my next trip and yeah, even thinking about taking a train to go out West. That would be so cool. Instead of flying, you know, yeah. um, cause I saw this, I saw this video on Amtrak and how that got started and, oh. uh, it was very interesting so much. I didn't know about yeah. it. And, and I hope that, you know, our, our, our train system isn't doing well, hasn't been doing well for a long time. Right. Right. And, you know, if buying a ticket helps a little bit more or doing those kinds of things, I, I like trains and, and I'd like to see them survive and maybe even yeah. do, do better. Well, when you're on the, on the train, you know, you're going you're gonna to want to stay awake, look at the scenery. <laughs> you probably won't sleep well. <laughs> right. You're going to need something to block those, those, uh, those feelings of being so tired. So you're going you're gonna to definitely need your coffee. Yeah. And uh, you're probably going to need maybe you know something to listen to to keep yourself entertained so you go back and listen to some back episodes of what i'm sure is your absolute favorite podcast church coffee pod you're all listening to church coffee pod where the theology is never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing i'm father bryce i'm father gregory i gotta say on that i really don't like listening to myself (laughs) i hate it i don't think i've i don't think i've re-listened to a single one of our a lot of time listening to our own podcast i mean i edit it so i i do yes you have to you 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 have the cross that you must bear in that regard (laughs) more than i do and i i am grateful for you for Uh, to you for doing that um it's fun yeah well i've been thinking you know um this question's kind of come up. Uh, parishioners have asked about some of these things, so maybe we'll hit at it a little bit. 
The month of August um, is kind of the big feast in the month of August in the Greek Orthodox world is the Feast of the Dormition yep. of the Theotokos. Um, there's the famous, uh, was it in Sumela, the monastery uh, there in Asia Minor, where the patriarch goes to celebrate the Feast of the Dormition. That sounds right, but I'm not 100% sure. If it's not, we will delete that. Um, so of course there's, there's a lot of famous places where it's, it's a big feast day. A lot of people have a lot of time off in August in Greece, uh, for the celebration of the Dormition. There's the 15 day fast, um, which is interesting in its own reality because, um, it used to be a much longer fast. It was, it started on August 1st. And from what I understand in history, it used to go all the way to September 14th. Uh, because on August 1st is the beginning of the procession of the Holy Cross. Mm. Um, and mm -hmm. then the 14th is the celebration of the, you know, the elevation right. uh, of the cross. And um, so it used to be a fast of the cross, in a sense, that whole period. But the Feast of the Dormition became so big and so popular mm -hmm. that it, eventually the fast was ended for the celebration of the Feast uh, mm. of the Dormition. And so it, just be, it became a 15-day fast. Of course, during that period, we also have the Great Feast of Transfiguration on August 6th. It's also where we bless the grapes. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's, it doesn't completely do away with the fast, but it, it's a day, you, you know, if you're following things strictly, you can have fish and oil right. uh, and wine and those kinds of things on the Feast Day of Transfiguration. Yeah. And, and so thinking about, you know, the Dormition in the Orthodox Church, we celebrate the falling asleep of the Theotokos. That's mm -hmm. what the word Dormition means. You know, it's where we get the words like dormitory. Right. Uh, in Greek, it's the kimisis. Mm -hmm. So the kimitirio is the cemetery or also can likewise be kind of similar to, I guess, like a dormitory. Right. Kind of talking about death as sleep, mm -hmm. you know, often, you know, are kind of going back to the Gospels, right? Many times right. our Lord spoke of it that way. Lazarus is sleeping and mm -hmm. the disciples don't understand him. It's like, oh, if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. Yeah. Uh, you know, which is conventional wisdom, right? If you're, you can, you can sleep a lot of illnesses off. Uh, yeah. and then he has to tell them quite plainly, no, he's, he's dead. Right. Cause they didn't understand what he was saying. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, you know, we talk about that. We use that language. So-and-so has fallen asleep in the Lord. But we also believe that the Theotokos is already, I mean, the way I kind of put it, I know if you, maybe you put it differently, but has already experienced the resurrection. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. So she's, she's bodily in heaven, soul and body. Right. And she intercedes for us. She prays for us. She's obviously very close to her son. He's very close mm -hmm. to her. And her role as, inter as intercessor is very important uh, in the life of the church. And, and so this is um, Father Alexander Schmemann, he talks about it. And so this feast is a feast of hope and anticipation for what all Christians look forward to. Mm -hmm. You know, she has already experienced what we, we, are, we hope to experience, we're looking to experience, uh, which is the resurrection of the dead and to be with the Lord, uh, mm -hmm. to be with him in his kingdom. There's this tradition of uh, Thomas being late, you know, for that, we've seen right. that before. Yes. And, and so in that tradition, he arrives to pay his respects, uh, to give her the final kiss, mm -hmm. and she's just not there. And that's how they know right. that she's already experienced the resurrection. Right. A priest, you know, when I was early in my journey into orthodoxy, you know, a priest was talking about this feast day, and, and he was saying, like, no, 
church has ever boasted of any relic of the Theotosic, except for, of course, her zoni, her belt. Right, the, ter- uh, the tertiary relics, but but nothing. No, no bodily relic. Of, right, her. Right, no direct bodily relic. And so nobody's ever claimed to have any of that, which kind of, in a way, speaks to that, that tradition, that belief uh, that we right. hold as Orthodox Christians. Um, and so thinking about that feast day, you know, one of, some of the questions that I've, I've, I've heard in the parish is like, well, Father, why, why, do, we, why do we do memorials or, or why do we pray for the dead? Why do we pray for those who have already gone on? I mean, if you were asked that question just off the cuff, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that people kind of think of is some kind of doctrine of purgatory, which, which we don't have in the Orthodox Church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think people assume like, well, either they're great or, or it's a hopeless cause. So, so why would we, why would we offer up prayers? But I think, um, I think it just speaks to the fact that we as Orthodox Christians never give up hope. Um, we Mm -hmm. will, we will always do things out of hope and, and complete faith and trust that we have a merciful God. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so we, we pray in in that hope and and we pray kind of knowing that god him god says right that he does not desire the death of a sinner right Mm -hmm. which is not just the physical death right the the cessation of bodily function of a sinner but but he does not desire that any person be separated from him eternally Mm -hmm. right and so we kind of pray god's own will in this situation right we we pray that the whoever this you know the departed may be that they may be united ever more deeply with god and it also speaks to kind of our our understanding of of the afterlife as not a static reality it is not uh you know kind of once once i die i'm just done right Mm -hmm. i i become perfect in some way if i enter into paradise i become perfect in some way and then i'm just done no that all of for all of eternity we can continually grow because we can always be closer to god because god is infinite yeah and and so i I, why not begin the prayer that that people grow in god's grace grow in holiness uh even now and you know and yeah so and part of that too is be forgiven um so we pray that they be forgiven their sins because no one in this life is sinless as the memorial says only christ is sinless uh, and uh, just citing that service. So we pray that they may be forgiven, um, the icon would be fully restored, mm-hmm. um, and, and so those are prayers that are being lifted up. I really like the way you put that. That's, that's very beautiful, thinking about um, that, that hope uh, and praying God's will, because yeah. that verse you referenced... Um, for God does not desire the death of the sinner. I mean, the second part speaks to what you said, but that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of the fullness of the knowledge of him. Right. Yeah. You know, speaking about that, all might be saved. Um, mm-hmm. That's what, that's what God's desire is. Of course, people may not cooperate right. uh, with God's desire, with God's will in that way. And um, we do have free will ourselves being made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so St. Irenaeus talks about that. Aftexusia, uh, I think is the idea um self-authority yeah and so we're responsible for ourselves and we make decisions mm-hmm. um and so yeah we lift we lift up our loved ones in prayer uh in that way for sure and you know the final resurrection hasn't happened yet
Right. So, you know, one of the things we say is the dead are not dead. They're alive in Christ because mm-hmm. Christ has risen. Mm-hmm. And they have, if they've fallen asleep in the Lord, they're in the Lord. Right. And we pray that um, they may be forgiven all their sins and may receive... A place of light, a place of refreshment, a place yeah. of verdure. Yeah, that things may go well for them at the final judgment. Um, sure. That God would be merciful. Um, right. And that's the prayer for all of us as we, of as we prepare ourselves for our own end and for facing the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, you know, God will be merciful. Um, I heard, I was, I was rewatching an old video I had seen some time ago, uh, where this, uh, forest ranger in Romania is being asked, like, are there any hermits up in these mountains? And he's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's, there's anchorites, there's hermits. And they're like, where are they? And he's like, oh, you know, I can't show you, you know, I'm kind of bound not to show anyone. And uh-huh. they're asking him all these questions. But then later on, they, they actually are interviewing in the same video an anchorite, uh, that kind of lives in the mountains, I guess, in Romania. And he was just talking about uh, how some people one time stumbled across some other anchorites. And uh, no, 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 this was Elder Cleopa was talking about this. Excuse me. Oh, okay. I got that wrong. So Elder Cleopa, they're talking to Elder Cleopa, the famous Elder Romanian, about anchorites. And he said some people were, you know, came across some anchorites in the mountains and they had like beards down to their waists or whatever. They, they asked and they're like, where are you from? And they're like, we're from where, you know, we're from wherever the Lord's mercy has brought us. And they're like, do you, do you need anything? And they're like, the only thing we need is the Lord's mercy. Hmm. Um, and I mean, it's a beautiful statement cause it's true for all of us. I mean, that's ultimately what we need is the mercy of God. Um, right. and that's ultimately what we're seeking. And so that's what we're seeking for our loved ones. So memorials mm-hmm. are an act of love. Yes. Um, we're not forgetting them. You know, we are remembering them, but we remember them actively by praying for them. We light candles. Mm-hmm. We offer prayers. We offer the memorial services. The koliva is very symbolic that's offered. Of course, the, yeah. The boiled wheat, unless a grain of wheat die and fall into the ground, it cannot bring forth new life. So the wheat represents the resurrection. Um, pomegranate seeds is when available sometimes you have to use raisins but sure. uh pomegranate seeds are often mixed with the koliva and the tradition of the church is that the pomegranate was the fruit that adam and eve ate in the garden mm-hmm. the tree of knowledge of good and evil that caused them to lose communion with god and mm-hmm. brought death uh, upon them mm-hmm. um, even though not right away um, but ultimately and there were two deaths Right. There was the death you were referring to, which is the loss of communion with God. Right. And then which resulted in physical death. Right. So then there is spiritual rebirth in our baptism Mm -hmm. uh, as we are reunited with God in Christ. And then the end result of that ultimately being uh, the resurrection. So uh, I think a good thing to talk about would be to, to remind us all when we do memorials. What's, oh, yeah. What are the appropriate kind of timelines? Yeah, and there's all kinds of different things out there. And so I don't want to say like, this is the definitive teaching sure. because there's there's variants of this and I recognize that. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you look at some of the patristic writings, they'll say the third day, uh, the ninth day, the 40th day, and then the annual. And how for how many years do you do the annual? Uh, the tradition, I think, is it, it for at least three years. Right. And some people do more than that, but I think that's also why we have the Saturday of Souls. Right. After the third year, you can kind of... You put them with the general commemoration with your family members at the Saturday of Souls. The third day is symbolic, the resurrection. Mm -hmm. The ninth day, the ninth order of angels. Okay. Um, The 40th day, it's interesting, and different patristic texts, depending on how early you go, 
the 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 one that makes the most sense is uh to me anyways is the the lord ascended on the 40th day yep but there's another one that talks about moses beyond the mountain 40 days oh okay and then and then of course on the on the anniversary yeah and do you reckon these days from the death or the funeral i always do it from the day of death so the third day memorial at least is probably going to be before the funeral and maybe, maybe the ninth day. But if, if you do it now, I will say most people do not do the third day and do not do the ninth day. Right. Keep in mind in, in traditional cultures in Greece and other places, they're doing the funeral like the day after. Right. Right. Someone passes away a lot of times, um, for very practical reasons too. They don't embalm or at least right. they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a lot of need and, and there, and the people were much more involved in the process of preparing the body. The body was washed. Mm-hmm. The person was dressed, you know, often anointed with different oils, um, and, and different herbs and things. Um, and, um, the visitation was just taking place in the house. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. This changed in America, right? Like the visitation always used to take place in the house and that room was called the parlor room. Uh-huh. You know, and now we have funeral parlors, right? Funeral homes. Cause it got moved out of the house. And then right. what do we call, and what did we start calling that room in the fifties when that happened by and large, S- the li- sitting room or the living room, the living room, we put the TV yeah. in there and yeah. <laughs> call it the living room. Uh, so that, that was a change that happened really not that long ago. Um, yeah. and so, but that used, I mean, that used to happen in people's homes and in uh, the traditional countries, I imagine it still does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then the, after, you know, sitting and keeping watch, you know, they used to read the Psalms and some people still do this, you know, pray the Psalms all night, mm-hmm. uh, with the deceased. Um, and then the person was escorted to the church the next day. And then you started the, uh, the processum into the church and you start the funeral service, mm-hmm. which is, it takes a lot. And we've talked about this before from the Holy Friday, right. the structure yep. of it and the hymns and stuff takes a lot from the Holy Friday service. Yeah. And so, but in, but in our context in America, funeral isn't happening the day after or even right. two or three days after, sometimes even longer. It just depends on, you have family that has to travel from a distance and there's all kinds of other considerations that are happening. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's, it's from the day of death, not from the day of the funeral. Sure. So from the day of death, three days, nine days, 40 days annually for the first three years. I remember kind of interesting coincident that I learned that the church kind of says, well, after three years, you can move them to the Saturday of Souls. I learned that around the same time that I was reading some kind of book about psychology and grieving. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned that a healthy grieving period, right? Like, so if, if somebody has done the work and, and is kind of in a, an emotionally healthy place, it takes three years to grieve the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was cool to see that that wisdom of the church that, you know, it was given to these spiritual leaders from, you know, a very long time ago mm-hmm. is now reflected in in what we've learned with, you know, kind of these psychological studies and, and surveys and all that kind of data. So was, I thought it was very cool to see to see that yeah and i mean and that's born out of experience and i think a lot of things are born out of the church's experience right i mean the 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 fathers talk about proxies before theoria Mm -hmm. now they're talking about you know prayer and fasting and stuff before contemplation 
Um, but I think also just in a practical way, you know, we, we had a practice that's born out of our experience and which kind of developed in, in theory, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, later on, you see that happen a lot, uh, throughout the history of the church. Um, and I experienced that in my own, my own life. Um, and I, I remember I, when my father passed away, I shared that with my mother and that, that also was kind of her experience that three years. Mm. And Mm. she's often reflected on that with me even many years later, you know, there's, cause you know, for me, for example, I was doing a lot. So my father passed away three days before I was ordained a deacon. Right. Uh, so I was ordained a deacon. And the first thing I did as a deacon was help in the burial of my, my father. And then, and then like two weeks later I was ordained a priest and maybe one or two weeks after that, I went off to summer camp and took a bunch of Goyans up to Albuquerque for summer camp and had been very involved in helping arrange everything as much as I could be for the funeral and everything that took place. And there's just so much happening. And it wasn't until Father's Day the next year. Wow. And I remember celebrating liturgy Father's Day the next year, and there were three priests, you know, in the church that I was at. And we used to, the priest dominos would have us rotate so that one was serving as protos. And this was to get me experience too. I was a brand new priest. Sure. And then the priest that was kind of to the right would be the one preaching. So we also rotated the preaching responsibilities for the Sundays. Mm-hmm. And also just, you know, helping me learn and gain experience. And, um, uh, and I was, I was serving as protos that day in front of the altar table. Mm-hmm. And it came time to receive communion. And it just, it hit me. Mm. And these tears just started streaming down my face. Um, I wasn't yeah. like weeping loudly or crying or anything, but it just, tears just started running out of my eyes, down my face. And it took me a second and I kind of collected myself. I was like, okay, you know, and mm-hmm. continued on with the service. And I remember both the other priests standing on the side of the altar table, just kind of looking at me, not saying anything, just looking at me. And when they saw I was okay, they were like, okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we continued with service. And I don't remember anyone saying anything, but the, I knew there was an understanding. Yeah. Um, and so that for me, like that was a big moment of kind of release and grieving and things like that, that didn't hit me for a whole year. Yeah. Uh, and so that three years, you know, that's, that's an important time for people. Uh, and so these memorial services are very important. I know there's other traditions where there's like some people do three months and six months and nine months. And Uh I'm not, to be honest, I'm not sure where that comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe somebody else knows. Um, and of course, if people request those, I do them. Um, but, um, I'm not exactly sure where the, where those come from. Yeah. I'm sure like a lot of things there's very localized Practices. kind of ideas that mm-hmm. that come so yeah so any other thoughts on uh, prayers for the deceased and uh, memorial services in general yeah i mean i guess although of course the kind of primary function of the memorial service is that we are praying on behalf of the departed i think it's also i've i've heard from various sources that it can even be appropriate to ask the departed to pray for us, even those who are, you know, not officially declared to be saints by the Orthodox Church, um, especially children for parents, especially if they're younger or whatever. Um, so there's, although the understanding, of course, is is not quite as 
robust and definitive as when the church says, okay, yeah, we know this person to be a saint. Mm-hmm. There's still an understanding and a, and a hope. The, I guess that's the maybe the theme word of today's podcast. There's mm-hmm. still a hope that, like Paul says, that, that this person being absent from the body is present with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that they might, they too, like our patron saint or, or, you know, any saint might maybe off, may be able to offer intercessions for us as well. That's a, it's a lot to think about, a lot to contemplate there. But I yeah. do, I do think hope is the, uh, hope is the word for the day in this, yeah. in this, in this little podcast. Yeah. Hope and, and like you said, love, right? Love. These are services done out of hope in God's mercy that God is who God says he is mm-hmm. and, and love and memory of those who, who have gone before us. And faith and faith in Christ yes. and in the resurrection. So faith, hope, and love, all three. There you go. But love abides. That's a beautiful service. And yeah. of course, the, a, the thing we can reflect on, especially as we enter into these, this fast of the Dormition, the celebration of the memory of the Theotokos, the celebration of her memorial, kind of giving us, you know, one of the many types of memorial that we have celebrated in the church throughout the year. All right. So where can people go if they have questions? If you've got questions, if you want to give us a topic for an upcoming podcast, or if you have questions about something we've talked about today, or even in a previous podcast, you can email us at churchcoffeepod at gmail.com. Or even better, you can leave us a voicemail at 317-660-5498. Thank you for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all. Mm-hmm.